0: On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks drop a heartbreaker in San Francisco. They fall in double overtime to the Warriors. Again, they led by as many as nine points in the fourth quarter, trailed by as many as 21 points in the first half. All kinds of stuff to dive into from this game. But at the end of the day, a brutal loss for the Hawks. We'll get into all of that and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1381 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you. I guess it's now Tuesday, January 3rd. I'm recording this podcast quite late, so please forgive any slip ups I may have here in the two o'clock into three o'clock hour of the morning on the East Coast. But today's episode is brought to you by Picks. First time you just have a hundred percent instant deposit match with up to hundred dollars with promo code locked on. That is prizepicks.com. Promo code locked on. And also I want to encourage you as always to make this podcast, the Locked On Hawks Podcast, your first listen each and every day. Please check us out and subscribe across platforms: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as YouTube on the video side and anywhere you get your podcasts. Today's show is going to dive into what became a marathon of a game for the Atlanta Hawks. They led by nine points in the fourth quarter. They trailed by as many as 21 points in the first half. They were down by 17 points of the half. They had opportunities to win this game in regulation. They had opportunities to win this game in the first overtime. And then they ultimately fell in the second overtime. And uh, quite frankly, there's a lot to get to in this one. I'm sure I will not touch on every single thing that happened in this game because there's been so much. It was a long basketball game, but, uh, Broadly speaking, the Hawks had a bunch of opportunities down the stretch, and it was one of those games that will pull your hair out as a Hawks fan. I can tell you that right now, even though I'm not the same fan that I used to be. Uh, this is one of those games I can just kind of put myself in, that, in those shoes, and it is a maddening game. I know a lot of angry Hawks fans after this one. I don't really blame you. It was one of those one of those losses. It was kind of the best, best way I can say it. I will just say at the top, and we'll come back to this. A lot of this would have been avoided if the Hawks were not so bad in the first half of this game, but alas, don't forget about that when you uh, dissect the entire uh, fourth quarter into the overtimes and all that stuff, but that's what we'll do on on today's podcast, and uh, we'll dive in right now to what transpired. As for the pregame itself, the Hawks were, of course, 4-9 in the last 13 coming in. They have now lost 10 of the last 14 games. They're on a four-game losing streak after this one. The Warriors have won five in a row. That's a little bit misleading I think in my mind because of, at least in terms of team quality they're also now 17 and 2 at home Um obviously the Warriors are they have great culture they have won at a high high level they have some good players still available on this on this roster on this night. Clay Thompson was out of his mind in this game but this is a Warriors team without Steph Curry without Andrew Wiggins and uh, as I went into a little bit yesterday by the way that, that show is still relevant to your listening if you have not listened to that podcast I did a solo mailbag edition with, with also look ahead to the road trip that's about the Warriors game quite a bit coming in. And yes, the Warriors have been hot recently, but without Steph, they are traditionally not very good, uh, even at home. They're not great. So that's part of this as well. And the Hawks were close to full strength in this game. DeAndre Hunter uh, returned after a three-game absence for Atlanta. Click Capella was the only guy who was out. And as I've said a lot of times, that's a big absence. It's not quite Trey, but it's close. Uh, Capella is extremely important to this team. So they're not, they were not at full strength by any means. But the Hawks were the healthier team in this game because no Steph, No Andrew Wiggins, no James Wiseman, John Kaminga, Andre Iguodala, Michael Green, all those guys out for the Warriors. And by tip-off, the Hawks were one-and-a-half-point underdogs in this game. Now, that's basically a coin flip in a lot of ways, which makes sense for a game that was as close as this one was at the end of the game. But uh, the Hawks were not, quote-unquote, supposed to win, nor were they supposed to lose. It was kind of a pretty close margin, which might sound crazy without Steph. But because the Hawks were the healthier and, honestly, more talented team in this game, going on the road, kind of negates some of that stuff, but anyway, kind of viewed as a coin flip coming in, and ended up being that at the end of the game, and uh, alas, here we are. So, the first half sport over was not good for the Hawks, and it started out um pretty quickly actually they only scored two points in the first possessions of the game offensively didn't have a field goal for the first three minutes of the game they did tie it by the middle of the quarter John Collins had a good start to this one and then the Warriors took a took their lead with an 8-0 run and led basically the entire way until the fourth quarter after that um, rotationally it was Bogdanovich as the first sub actually for the Hawks they went to a small lineup with DeAndre Hunter back the Hawks have, have more flexibility lineup-wise. They can play 100 at the four a little bit more and that allows them to do a little bit more different different things with their rotation. They went to a Okongwu at the five again when Hunter came out of the game, so they kind of avoided the Kong Wu super small uh, or Collins super small lineups. But Collins and Hunter are always playing together a little bit in this game. Justin Holliday plays a miss in the first half as a small ball four option and then kind of didn't play much after that. He was in for a couple of defensive only possessions in the fourth quarter and overtime, but uh, he was the spot guy as the backup four, as we'll come back to in a second. Um, the Warriors, though, were hot early and for most of the game, I would say. From three point range. They had seven threes in the first nine minutes. Clay Thompson was uh, certainly the national story of the night. Clay had 54 points in this game, including 10 threes. He had 21 field goals for Clay Thompson. That's a crazy high number for him. Anyway, Boxer Thomas has made 13 points in the first quarter. They could not get stops throughout the game. They got 38. They give up 30 point, 38 points on 28 possessions. That's really bad. Uh, seven threes for the Warriors in the first and first quarter. Rocks did not shoot well from three-point range at all in the first half. Um, people were kind of freaking out at the end of the first quarter because Eddie Griffin hadn't played yet. Um, Griffin ended up starting the second quarter and actually playing the second most minutes of any bench player uh, in the game. Uh, at least until the uh, overtime period when Aaron Holiday came back in, but at least in the first half. So AJ, uh, there were some concerns. That he was like out of the rotation. I saw some complaints about him playing behind Justin Holiday. That's not, that's not what happened in this game. Holiday played ahead of Jalen Johnson. That, that did happen. But basically, Griffin played quite a bit. And uh, I'm not sure why they staggered it off a little bit more, having, having come, in, come into the game a little bit later but no real concerns there once he came in second quarter. Um, Again, I wasn't terribly surprised by Jalen Johnson not playing in this one, mostly because, and even Nate sort of acknowledged this in a way that he doesn't always do. The Warriors are a uniquely difficult matchup for any team. They play a style that no other team in the league plays and Jalen Johnson is still a young player who has some processing issues at times defensively. I think that was definitely why. Uh, you could certainly argue either way. I'm not saying this is definitely gospel, but as to why he didn't play in this game, I would I would tell you with some pretty good confidence is because Nate was more trusting of the holidays than he was of just of Jalen Johnson defensively against a team like the Warriors who plays a, a, a unique style of basketball. Anyway, the Hawks were down by 19 points by the middle of the quarter, and really the perimeter defense was ghastly in the first half of this game. I don't want to say that lightly. It was really, truly awful, Um, really across the board. McDonavich was really bad. Trey was really bad. DeJounte was pretty bad defensively in the first half. It didn't help that the Warriors were hot from three as well, and the Hawks weren't, but it was really rough. The Hawks also missed a bunch of free throws in the first half, which was not great. And Atlanta scored about, I think it was two points, like a a three-and-a-half-minute period late in the first half. It went down by as many, as as I said before, as many as 21 points before halftime. They were down 17 at the half. And basically nothing went well for Atlanta in the first 24 minutes. They had a 95 offensive rating. That is hideous. They were 260 from three. That's obviously uh, part of the issue there. But only eight rim attempts. That's also pretty bad. Only broke even on points in the paint in the first half. That's a bad number against the Warriors who rely on jump shooting quite a bit. They only had nine assists before halftime. Really the only bright spot on offense was John Collins with 16 points in the first half. Basically, nobody else was, was super productive and efficient at the same time. And then defensively, they had a 123 defensive rating. It felt worse than that, honestly. The Warriors started kicking the ball around a little bit. Defense, uh, Sorry, with, with more turnovers in the second quarter. But uh, the Warriors bench thrashed the Hawks bench in the entire game, but especially in the first half. Uh, all of that was uh, pretty rough, let's just say. So we'll stop here and kind of put a pin in this. But we'll come back to this in a second and just say, a lot of the attention will be paid and justifiably so to the late fourth quarter, which I will rag on later on in the podcast because the Hawks really, really imploded offensively down the stretch of the fourth quarter. And then the overtimes and the key plays and, you know, the big shots by the Warriors, the breakdowns by the Hawks. We'll get into all of that later. I promise you will. I thought it live in real time. I've watched it all again now, but I'll stop here and just say a lot of this would have been avoided if the Hawks were not so terrible in the first half and it all matters. It's really hard to dig holes like this on the road in particular against a well-coached competent team in the warriors. You can't afford to be down by 21. And yes, the Hawks did erase that deficit. The Hawks led this game by nine points in the fourth quarter and the Hawks should have won this game. I believe that firmly at this, at this point, but it would have been a lot easier if they didn't have to get to spend a lot of energy, come back from 17 and 21 down before, uh, before halftime and then at halftime. And uh, that should not be forgotten and analyzing this game. Okay. Before we come uh, back to talk about the rest of this contest, and there's plenty to discuss and work from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. If you Daily Fantasy option this year to have the award-winning app at Prize Picks is a Daily Fantasy made easy. I know that you will love it because I really do. And I know it's so easy to use. I can vouch for that. I've been playing on it for quite some time at Prize Picks and really mostly in the NBA, but other sports as well. I'm really enjoying the process. All you have to do is pick two to six players and choose whether they actually have more or less than a certain number of points or rebounds or assists or steals, et cetera. And at Picks, what if it's 25 times the money on your entry? 25 times, that's a lot of money, obviously. PrizePix offers numbers across the board in the sports world as well. That includes the NBA and college basketball, NFL, college football, MLB, soccer, esports, and much more. An entire entry can be done just a minute or less and it's just that easy and it's that quick. Plus, because you, I guess the projected numbers, it's straight ahead through that lens. And they also have safe and fast withdrawals. They're operating in more than 30 states and Canada at this point. And you can download the app at PrizePix or PrizePicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports right now. And first-time users can have 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. Don't forget that promo code locked on and sign up for the instant deposit match up to $100. Check it out now at PrizePix. All right, so the positive time of the game for the Hawks was the third quarter, which they were honestly awesome in the third. That uh, also shouldn't be forgotten. Uh, the Hawks scored on four of the first five possessions of the third quarter. They got three straight stops, blew some turnovers, hundred and a couple of threes, bogey hit a three. The Hawks made three threes in the first six minutes of the first half, sorry, of the third quarter, and that was more than they made the entire first half. So they were making shots, taking more threes, much, much better process offensively in the third quarter. They had 18 points in the paint, in the first eight minutes, that's a heck of a number there. They, they they decided to kind of attack all the way to the rim rather than settling for the uh, mid-rangers that they can often settle for with their guards in particular. They got six pretty quickly. And then overall, it was a 14-2 to two run by the Hawks middle of the third quarter to get the lead down to two. And uh, it stabilized from there a little bit, but then the Hawks made another run late in the third, an eight-to-two run to go up by one. So they had erased the lead in less than a quarter of game time. It went from down 21 to up by one by the end of the third quarter. That included threes from Aaron Holiday and Trey Young. They ended up tied at the end of the third quarter. That was an awesome quarter. Plus 17 quarter is not something you should be overlooking, especially a third quarter team like the Warriors are. Um, This is the highest scoring quarter of the season for Atlanta with 42 points. They were a comically hot 18 of 24 from the floor and five of five from three in the third quarter. He had 12 assists. That's a sky high number, 24 points in the paint. Trey did a great job as a distributor in the third quarter. He had nine assists, only three only three shot attempts, but really played the game well in that third quarter as they just kind of setting up everybody else up to great success. And it did help the Warriors miss some shots in the third, but still the Hawks played honestly brilliant basketball for the entirety of really, the third quarter. Um, in the fourth, it wasn't quite as good. But they lived by as many as eight points early on in the fourth quarter. Aaron Holiday had a, had a great chase down block, and the Hawks just kind of kept scoring 15 points in the first five minutes of the fourth quarter. They did kind of unstabilize from there, but – they were still up by nine after a five-point burst in the middle of the quarter, and then uh, I will say that from that point forward, the Hawks' offense regressed badly into ISO hero ball from the guards, which is a familiar refrain this year. Obviously, uh, some of that always happens in the NBA; some of that kind of is unavoidable. But the Hawks have gone beyond some of that part and gone into way of that way more of that than you would want. They ended up with two misses and a from Trey, and then a turnover by Murray in that stretch. There was a great sequence from Mc- from a Kongwu defensively, had two block shots to kind of maintain the lead. But the entire team also was uh, looking for a foul on Draymond Green in transition. They didn't get get the call. It was a foul, I thought, on Draymond. Um, Alas. Murray did miss after that on the next possession, although that was a better possession overall. It was actually a catch and shoot. But uh, anyway, we'll kind of fast forward a little bit. The Hawks were having trouble defensively on the glass. They ended up not playing John Collins for pretty much the entire stretch run in the fourth quarter, which I didn't love. Um, They went small. It was kind of working, but then it wasn't. At some point along the way, and I would have liked to see Collins come back in because he was playing very well. And generally speaking, the Hawks were getting gashed on the glass. It wouldn't fix everything by any means, but their best lineup on the glass by far right now without Capella is having Collins and Congwell out there. And that was not the look they had in the fourth quarter. Um, Trey took a pretty pretty bad three with like 90 seconds to go. Got the rebound, and Bogey also missed. The the Warriors scored quickly, and the Hawks' lead was down to two with about a minute to go. Uh, Trey did get get to the line to go back up by four. But then Clay Thompson, again, hit a three his eighth of the game at that point to get back down to one The Hawks waited way too long on offense, a few different times down the stretch. like they were trying to like run the clock out, just not even like when they shot the ball, but when they were trying to initiate uh, sets, like they were like walking into everything, just taking way too long and being forced at the end of those possessions to launch some shots. Um, Both teams actually thought they got fouled in one sequence, Trey. And then I believe it was Jordan Poole, and it ended up being a wash, but still not great. The Hawks did call timeout. Um, when I, did, I didn't I did love that. They, got, they managed to get the ball inbounds to Trey in a, in a situation where the Warriors had to foul. Ended up not mattering. Trey gets the ball in the inbounds, gets fouled, makes both, and they're up by three with nine seconds to go. Obviously, they didn't win the game because uh, they, the game would, would have been over. After that, um, the Warriors managed to connect on the three, obviously, with one second to go in the game. Uh, I recommend watching the play that led to this breakdown, but there were multiple issues as there are with a lot of different plays at the end of this game. Uh, for one, I don't understand Trey being on the floor defensively on a clear defense-only possession. Now, there's one in double overtime we will come back to later on where it's conceivable and reasonable to have Trey on the floor because if you get a stop, you need somebody to shoot free throws, all that stuff. But on this one, you're up three with less than te- te- 10 seconds to go. There's no reason to have Trey on the floor. That's one thing. They did get bogey off the floor for Justin Holliday, but I didn't understand playing Trey especially when you have Collins. you had if you, if, you, if you don't want to go big, you could have gone to Aaron Holiday, who's better than Trey defensively. Anyway, then the Hawks fail to get a defensive rebound, which is predictable in some ways because they were playing so small. You have a Kong who's not a great rebounder, and then you have no Collins on the floor. Um, that was part of that as well. Then Murray blocks the second attempt, but Trey, who, again, probably shouldn't have been on the floor, kind of inexplicably leaves Dante DiVincenzo to chase the ball inside the arc For really no reason, because even if something happens, like there's no reason to grab the ball there. Like you're up by three and they were going to be out of time. So I understand it's probably instinct at that point in time to kind of go try to go grab the ball, but it was a play that you just can't make there. It was also unlucky. All of it was like the ball gets caromed right to DiVincenzo, who is now by himself because Trey left him. He makes the three. Look, there's always a little bit of luck involved in the bounce of the ball at the end of these games. It happened again later on in the game too, but fundamentally I don't know why Trey was in there. I don't know why Collins wasn't in there. I don't know why he went, why he dug into the uh, inside the arc to kind of try to grab the ball. Anyway, all that happened. It's a bad play all the way around. I also think Hunter got a little bit tweaked injury wise in that play. I don't, I have not seen an update on that or the Hawks not given one. But Hunter ended up sitting the entire overt- the entire first overtime and was a little bit hobbled in the second overtime. And uh, as my friend Andrew Kelly of Peaster Hoops was the first person I saw that saw this and passed it along to me. If you watch the replay, uh, you can definitely see Hunter coming up a little bit lame at the end of the play. So I'm not sure if he tweaked his ankle or what, but uh, that's notable as well. And uh, yeah, obviously, after all that, you go to overtime. That's not great. And I will just say the offensive process was great in the second half for the, about the first, I don't know, 18, 19, 20 minutes. And then the last four or five minutes of the regulation period, it was really bad. It devolved into ISO ball, and the Hawks stopped scoring as much. And the Hawks really kind of shot themselves in the foot, I thought, on offense down the stretch. Defensively, it wasn't perfect either, but I thought if they just ran their offense better, it would have been more effective, and they probably won the game in regulation. As for the overtimes, uh, plan to get to here as well. The Hawks led by five early in the first overtime. Probably should have been seven. They had an empty trip in there, and then the Warriors had an 8 0 run. The Hawks had two really bad possessions in a row on offense. Trey took a step-back three on one of them, missed it, and they turned the ball over, and it led to right, right, right into a run out. And honestly, Trey was not very good in the late fourth quarter and the overtime periods, uh, other than free throws. He was good at getting to the line and making the free throws, but other than that, not great. Um, the Warriors hit back-to-back threes, and they were hot at different times of this one. After the timeout, Trey got blocked, taking another three, and the Hawks got a stop, or it might have even spiraled even more from that point, got to the line, made the next two. We'll fast-forward now to the end of this one. Trey makes free throws with 30 seconds to go to go by one. After a timeout, Clay hits another three in isolation. That was his tenth of the night. I will back up what Nick said on the broadcast of this game. The defense was good on that play. I, I, people, I saw people like being mad at Justin Holiday. Like, if you look at the, if you look at the play, like, short of blocking the shot, which isn't like a super likely outcome, there's not a whole lot you can do there. It's just Clay making a shot like a pro. He's an awesome shooter. It is what it is. But there was no breakdown on that play. That was one of the plays that was like not an issue for the Hawks defensively. That's just a good shot making instance from Clay. He makes it. Obviously, the Hawks could have lost right there, and they didn't. So, kudos to them for being a little bit resilient in that point. Down by two, 18 seconds to go. Trey goes quick, gets fouled, and uh, gets to the line, makes both. And the Hawks then uh, weirdly had Bogey and Trey on the floor defensively on the next possession. I don't know what was going on there. Although, I will say, kudos to Trey. He got singled up on Jordan Poole, and Jordan Poole was bad for most of this game. Uh, He's a Michigan guy, too, and he was not good in this game. Um, Anyway, Trey forced Poole into a turnover. That was a good play by Trey defensively to uh, preserve the second overtime. Uh, for the sake of clarity, I will fast forward most of the second overtime to the two-minute mark or so. Um, everyone, I will say this as just a note, everyone on both sides looked gassed by that point, which is understandable. A lot of minutes played on both sides. Um, for example, four of the Warrior starters played at least 44 minutes, and um, Murray played 51 minutes for the Hawks, 44 for Trey, 40 for Collins, 43 for Bogey, um, all that stuff. That's, that's a lot of minutes on, on all sides. Anyway, uh, it was tied after a clay scored and Murray missed a 12-footer Almost a short, like he almost airballed it. I'm sure he had no legs at that point in time. Again, 51 minutes played. The Warriors called timeout, and Hunter came back in at that point after sitting out for like eight minutes straight. So I'm not sure if it was just adrenaline or what, but he was able to come back in. Um, The Hawks allowed a a layup on possession after that when Trey got beat by Anthony Lamb. They did get a solid look for for Collins on a corner three that he just missed. There was a huge play by Kong that was kind of be probably forgotten now that preserved the Hawks being down only by two. It should have been a layup for the Warriors, and he had a great help side block that would have uh, allowed the Hawks to be down by four Then, after turnover by Collins, a scramble defensively, the ball gets tapped to Draymond green. And this is another one of those plays. that's crazy and unlucky for the Hawks to be, to be fair to everybody involved. Draymond makes a three off a tap with five with sorry, 43 seconds to go to go by five. And the Hawks are in trouble at that point. That was Draymond's first three point attempt of the game. And as a note, Draymond has been a 28.6% three point shooter for the last five seasons. Draymond is effectively a non-shooter. He's not like a pellabad as a shooter, but he's a non-shooter at this point. And he makes a perfect catch and shoot, <laughs> you know, uh, pseudo dagger. Like I thought it was probably going to be over at that point, and it wasn't. But uh, fortunately, the Hawks did bounce back. Dejounte hits a quick three, which the Hawks had to have. That was kind of the one big play that Murray made. Murray was not great in this game. I didn't think overall, but he made a big shot there when they're down, down by five and they had to go quick to get back within two. Then they get Akongwu uh, locks up Clay in a good in a good way, forces a. A similar shot to what Holiday forced, just a little bit, actually a little bit closer of a shot. Clay just misses this one from about 17 feet. Then they had uh, also had Aaron Holiday in there defensively. Was good, which was a good decision. The get the rebound and they call timeout with 12 seconds to go and, it, and, it, uh, and they're down by two. I did have to laugh because uh, famously last week there was an uproar about McMillan not calling timeout with even less time than this. Um, but in this time he called timeout with 12 seconds to go. But he probably could have gone live and been a little bit in better shape. But no, uh, I will say just importantly to point this out, Trey was off the floor, which is probably a white call timeout. I get all that. It's just kind of a funny throwback to last week. Anyway, the Hawks did score. Trey went quick. I thought he should have got a foul call, honestly, uh, watching the replay back. I think um, I said this afterwards. I think I deleted it after because I, I'm not sure if I can believe this anymore. Um, Trey took forever to get back on defense. That, that is unmistakable. Trey did not sprint back in a way that you need to sprint back at that point. Now, that's where I'll stop. I thought he was like kind of celebrating originally. I think he might have been angling for the call. Either way is bad. I think arguing for the call is less bad than celebrating. But no matter what, he didn't he didn't sprint back, which is unfortunate. Uh, in a tie game, Eight seconds to go. Um, but regardless, we'll fast forward to the end of, other end of the floor. The Warriors push. They don't stop. Clay misses a shot uh, over a contest by Collins. That was a good um, sort of reaction by him. But then Looney gets two off the rebounds and wins it at the buzzer. Some notes here. I'm sure everyone's seen this play by now, but if not, I will take you through it. Um, Collins was the only big big guy on the floor at at that possession. Now, I understand pushback to that. I'm not saying this is the perfect way to do it, but because the Hawks were losing, that's important to keep in mind, at the timeout before that, the Hawks were losing. They had to score, and generally speaking, Nate likes to go small when you have to score. And that meant, in that possession, they took a Okongwa off the floor and went with the offensive lineup of being small. I don't like love or hate that. It's just what, it, it's just what happened. But because you score quick, as quickly as you did, you not play defense without a Kong. Wu. And that's tough given what the Hawks had available defensively. So that's one thing. Number two, John had to close out and he was the only big man on the floor. So he didn't do anything wrong in the play. He watched the play. Like he did exactly what he's supposed to do. But when he contests, he's 30 feet from the basket. And there's nothing he can do at that point. Um, Kong Wu, again, off the floor. Uh, so beyond that, Couple other things happened. Uh, first of all, DeAndre Hunter is in no man's land. He didn't do a great job. I'm not saying he was like the goat of this thing. Uh, I saw some Hawks fans that were mad at him. I get it. He didn't do anything actively to help. He didn't really box out. He was kind of in, he was kind of in a weird position. But still, he probably could he probably could have and should have crashed harder than he has. And obviously, rebounding is not his strength. As I've talked about a number of times. Also, Trey, who did get back into the play from from behind, but if you watch the play the entire way through, he never contacts uh, Lamb Anthony Lamb at all lamb just runs right by him now i'm not saying trey's gonna grab the rebound he's a small guy but he didn't even pretend to get a body on lamb and yes they didn't make the play but lamb was down there crashing with looney and getting bodies in the way it would have been good if trey could have like done something to stop lamb getting a full head of steam downhill then murray is the only guy there to box out looney and he does a decent job like murray did his job kind of like he kind of boxes out. But there's nothing he can really do if Looney's going to be engaged there one-on-one against Dejounte Murray. Like that's not going to really help you. The way it balanced was unlucky. All that stuff. So like, I would just encourage you to watch the entire play. It is what it is. Um, it's one play, but it's also a play that is maddening in a lot of ways. Both the, the personnel is unlucky. Um, you're only big again closing out. Um, Trey's behind the play the entire way. Um, the way that just everything happened all the way through. So. It's infuriating. The Hawks could have won the game in regulation. The Hawks could have won the game in the first overtime, especially when they were winning in the first overtime. They kind of imploded after that. Um, there were opportunities along the way. The second overtime, they were trailing. They were never like winning down the stretch of the second overtime. They were down five with 40 seconds to go. So if it's kind of funny, like I'm not sure how if things might have changed, like with the vibes, maybe not a whole lot, but if the Hawks were just like, just like go down when the, the Draymond shot goes in. 40 seconds to go if that's the closest it comes from that point forward are people as mad today i'm not even sure (laughs) but uh no matter what uh they had opportunities to be sure and i've said a lot about all of those plays at this point in time but regardless the hawks just didn't make enough of them and like short of the murray three that they that he made to get it down to two all of the biggest shots in the game were the warriors now again i said it before but trey did a great job of uh, that was kind of what he was going to all the way through at the end of the game. I think he got to the line three or four times in big spots and that is important. And he did that and made the shot. So good good on him for doing that. But the rest of the offense down the stretch was really bad. Like pro- process wise, a lot of ISO ball, a lot of contested step backs, a lot of like low percentage, not horrible shots necessarily, but not good shots. And they didn't, they stopped attacking the rim. They stopped getting the ball to their bigs who were having, who were having a, uh, a lot of effectiveness early on in the game. And generally speaking um, the, again, all the big shots were the, were the Warriors. You have, you have the clay shot in, uh, in the first overtime over holiday. You have the regulation three from Dante. You have the Draymond three that kind of broke it open. in the second overtime, all those, th- all those big shots of the game, the three big shots, of the game in my mind, were those three shots and they were all the Warriors. So process wise, you could certainly quibble with that. The Hawks, if you want to just kind of take a step back and say, did the Hawks play well in this game? It's hard to answer. I think the Hawks played fairly well for a large portion of this game. Like, they were underdogs at tip-off. They played a team in the Warriors that had Klay Thompson have 54 points. hit 10 threes in this game. And, you know, that's tough to overcome. I get all that. On the other side, the first half, they did not play well. Full stop did not play well. They were pretty bad in the first half. Second half of regulation, they played well until, like, the four-minute mark. Like, you could argue the first 18 minutes of the second half of this game was one of their best 18-minute stretches of the entire season. That's how good they were in that stretch, but especially when you account for not for Capella not being there, you're on the road, all that stuff. So did the Hawks play well? I mean, not really, but not bad, and they were certainly fine. They played, like, a B-minus game, B-game in this game. Uh, they just ran into a team that made the big plays and the Hawks didn't make the big plays. So I'm going to kind of avoid the overall numbers. Like I usually would give you now, because we're going so long in this section, but uh, just some, some stats before we get out of here and go to the players, the player uh, breakdowns at the end of the podcast. Um, ended up kind of being a slugfest down the stretch in the overtime. So the offensive numbers got worse for everybody involved. The Warriors took 59 three-point attempts. That's a ridiculous number. They, they made 19 of them, which isn't even that many, but they made 19 threes. The Hawks won the turnover battle and throw battle in this game, but they lost the glass a lot, and especially down the stretch. Anytime the Hawks, and by the way, I, I said this before, but going without Collins in regulation and playing with Hunter and a at the four and the five for the last like eight minutes of regulation, I really did not like that for this reason, because defensively that's not going to get stops for you. It's not going to get rebounds for you at the very least. So anyway, that was a big, big thing. Look at the box score of this one. The rebounding, the rebounding differential was a big differentiator in, in this game. Also, offensive process wise, the Hawks took 59 shots for cleaning the glass between four, between four feet and three point line. So basically twos that were not at the rim, 59 attempts. In comparison, they took 15 shots at the rim. You do not want to have only a fourth of your shots from two be at the rim. And they only took uh, 35 threes in a double overtime game. So, Process wise, that's not what you want. You want to take more threes, more shots at the rim, and the Hawks took a million mid and long twos in this game. All right, that's enough of that. We'll come back to the individual player breakdowns in a second, but first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by BetOnline. The main topic on this podcast, of course, is basketball and the Atlanta Hawks. And things are very busy as 2023 is now up and going. Playing football stuff as well, hockey, soccer, other action going on in the sports world. The action never stops at BetOnline. Online, but the number one source for sports betting info, stats, and news this season. Get all the latest odds and trends for every pro and college league out there at BetOnline. That includes the latest on football and basketball and soccer, eSports, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, even entertainment bets, futures markets, as well as props, etc. And BetOnline is also very useful in gauging latest on the Hawks. The, uh, of course, they have the day-to-day kind of odds and totals and spreads and all that stuff, plus futures markets on the division and the conference odds in the East, as well as the title odds, individual award stuff, and much more. And BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get all of what you're looking for in your sports betting fix. Plus, if you love sports podcasts, you can also find those at BetOnline. Check out BetOnline right now on your mobile device or your computer trip, to learn more about all of the trends and the action in the sports world. BetOnline, where the game starts. Today's show is brought to you by Big Dog Speakers. And I have to ask you this question. Can your portable Bluetooth speaker even think about hanging with the Big Dog? The Scout for Big Dog Speakers is a portable Bluetooth speaker specifically designed in augusta georgia to deliver the huge sound that is very clear plus fantastic battery life a lot of connectivity options plus they do it all at a competitive price and the big dog scout speaker also has loud volume with max volume of, 100, of 105 decibels that's louder than the competition while still maintaining that high quality sound that you're definitely looking for in a speaker From partying with your friends blowing up the beach or doing something more than practical like making a phone call the big dog speaker is built to do it all plus big dog speakers are built back by 100 satisfaction guarantee plus a one-year warranty it's time to go big with big dog speakers they have the ability to charge their devices maintain 15 hours of playback, produce up to 105 decibels, and even the ability to pair two together for the enhanced stereo sound that you're looking for in that, in that all in that, in that waterproof package. I have two of them that i paired together as well. It works fantastically. The sound is wonderful. And the Big Dog Scout is also available right now at BigDogScout, sorry, BigDogSpeakers.com for $99. You get 20% off with the promo code LOCKEDON. For more information, check out BigDogSpeakers.com. One more time, BigDogSpeakers.com. And don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON. All right, and a lot to get to as well with the individual player breakdowns in this game. They basically played only eight guys in the second half, uh, and those are the eight that we'll kind of talk about. Uh, Justin Holiday played one stretch in the first half, and then um, some defensive only possession in the second half. He was fine. He ended up being minus ten. They got killed in that first half stint. I'm not sure that was on him, but one rebound, one assist, only missed, only took one shot, and missed it. Like he wasn't good, but he you know was fine. They what he played five minutes. Um, Aaron Holiday, 16 minutes, five points, plus six had an assist and two rebounds, had a big, had a big block shot, hit a big three. I thought Aaron was fine. I think that he with the current available players is their eighth best player. Um, He's probably better than Jalen Johnson in terms of like overall, obviously Jalen Johnson's upside is a lot higher. Jalen Johnson um, in in the middle of one game could be a lot better than Aaron holiday or a lot worse than Aaron holiday. So I get it. Um, That argument is not really important to me. They're very different players, but I understood going with holiday in a more prominent role. Uh, Aaron, I should say, um, especially when you have to have someone to throw at Jordan Poole, etc. Um, AJ Griffin by 15 minutes, two points, kind of just a quiet game all the way around. First half rotation was a little bit weird, but he played in normal workflow. It's just that they've definitely chosen, and I understand this entirely, to go with Bogey and, and really the entire fourth quarter stretch run and on the overtimes, they only played the six guys, which I understand. They have a clear top six with Acapella and, um, AJ seven. So I get all that, but uh, he didn't play a ton in this game. Didn't have a huge impact in this game. It wasn't terrible. It just didn't do it. Just didn't, didn't do a lot. Honestly, McDonovich, uh, 43 minutes, 21 points, three assists, three rebounds, a steal and a block for bogey. He was six of 10 on twos and three of six on threes. Offensively, bogey was good in this game. Defensively. It is. It's bad, man. I, I don't, I don't mean to be picking on bogey. I like bogey a lot. I have uh, sung the praises of bogey. I thought that the Hawks needed him badly this year and they do but defensively, it's not getting any better, which is a little bit concerning. I don't know if it's a – I think it's a lateral movement problem, maybe just because of the knee or whatever. But he has been really bad at the point of attack this year. And I think everybody knows it probably at this stage. Uh, the Hawks were taking him off the floor and crushed time defensively. There's, it wasn't like there's any uh, pretense there. But um, it's a problem to uh, certainly address in the future. But he was uh, actually the game-best number for the Hawks in plus-minus in 43 minutes. So the Hawks got – basically, they were beaten up pretty badly with that bogey. They were good with boogies on the floor. Um, as, as for the starters in this game, a lot to get to. Um, Hunter 17 points, four rebounds, two assists, two steals, two blocks. He was actually really playmaking wise good defensively. I think defensively, he was pretty good overall. Um, he we'll see on the injury front if he got banged up at the end of the game. Offensively, he was just kind of eh. he was uh, 17 points on 15 shooting, shooting sessions. That's not bad, uh, nor is it great couple too many mid-rangers for my liking but i thought he was uh, solid in his, in his return He wasn't great but he was fine um Okongwu played pretty well 16 points 12 rebounds three blocks two steals i think defensively he was making a bunch of plays at the end of this one um rebounding wise uh on the defensive glass only six only six rebounds that's not what you want for 38 minutes of center play which is always a weakness of his but i thought he was pretty good otherwise in this game collins was very good 25 points, 13 rebounds, two blocks of steal, and 40 minutes of play. They went away from him a lot in the second half, which is unfortunate, as I talked about before, the lots of ISO guard-heavy play. Um, but when Collins was, was featured, he was effective. He had one bad turnover, for sure, in the second overtime, which is worth noting. Uh, but defensively, he did a good job the entire game. Um, he was 8 of 12 on twos, at the line eight times, uh, just played well, generally speaking. Uh, and then Young and, Young and Murray at the end. So DeJounte... 25 points 10 rebounds seven assists and two steals if that's all I tell you it's like he played pretty well I don't think he was very good like he wasn't terrible but he wasn't particularly uh, effective like in creating for others in this game seven assists is solid enough but um, defensively he was shakier than you would like and I, I do think to this point in the season Murray has been a defensive disappointment for the Hawks at the point of attack he's still better than Trey and bogey for sure but uh, a weakness relatively speaking. Still, uh, you know, nine of 16 on twos is fine. One of four from three yeah, is what it is. Um, but yeah, as far as the numbers are concerned, I think he wasn't as good as his box score stats are. He wasn't terrible either, but there you go. Trey is similar. Uh, Trey had 30 points on 29 shooting possessions. So he was not efficient in this game. Did have 14 assists, including nine in the third quarter. And I, I, it's not this easy to segment, but if you could just take the Trey from the third quarter, <laughs> uh, he played great in the third quarter. He really did. Uh, a lot of guys did, to be fair. But the rest of the game, he just wasn't particularly good. In fourth quarter overtimes, he had the one-stop on, on pool defensively, but a couple of really weird plays. Um, other than getting to the line, he didn't really do much positive down the stretch, and I don't think he was like terrible the entire game or anything like that, but – same thing. Thirty points, fourteen assists, seven rebounds. You, think you, you probably think he played awesome. He didn't really play awesome at all. He had a lot of like weird mental mistakes, um, a lot of process mistakes at the end of the at the end of the, of the regulation period for sure. Defensively, you know, a couple highs, but mostly lows. Um, so like a mixed bag game for sure for Trey. Uh, and I think the Hawks would. Uh, I'm not sure if he would, but I think if you're objective, like he needs to be better than he was in this game generally speaking. But he did make a lot of plays on the stretch, getting to the line, keeping the Hawks uh, involved, which certainly matters over the course of a game. So I've said a lot on this podcast. Uh, it's a weird game in a lot of ways. The Hawks, like I said before, should have won this game in my mind. Um, it also is not a game that they totally and utterly gave away either. It's one of those games where you could argue almost anything. And we've seen pretty much all of it on Twitter at this point in time. We're into the three o'clock range now as I'm recording this podcast and the takes are still flying people are still fired up and that's that's probably a good thing in terms of people's investments in this hawks team but uh lots of highs lots of lows lots of frustrating single plays lots of you know shortcomings and really the big thing is that the hawks had already been losing before this if this game happened in the middle of a otherwise innocuous period of time it would not get this entire frustration level it might be some for sure it's double overtime loss i get all that but the hawks have now lost four games in a row and they now lost 10 to the last 14 and they're now 17 and 20 on the season and a 6-12 on the road like all those numbers are bad plus you throw in the organizational stuff with with regard to the front office upheaval, with regard to nate and uh you know nate and trey and the nate resignation story which we talked about last week um yeah lots of lots and lots and lots of stuff going on and it won't get easier from here for the hawks the road trip continues in california as i said on yesterday's show uh, this is not the hardest trip in the world on paper. There is time between games. The travel isn't super bad, um, but none of these games are walkovers either. Like for instance, the Hawks have to go to Sacramento on Wednesday. Now, there's actually a rest advantage for the Hawks. Maybe it's negated because of this double overtime game, but the Kings play on Tuesday in Utah, so they have to travel. That's actually a big win for the Hawks because they're probably going to stay in the same hotel uh, in Sacramento and San Francisco. It's not far, not very far away. Uh, probably not a whole lot of upheaval tomorrow. So. That's a a small advantage. The Kings, though, are a pretty good basketball team. So nothing's going to be easy there. The Hawks will have to face um, an uphill battle as far as as stopping the Kings, who are an awesome offensive team. Now, on the offensive end of the floor, the Hawks should be able to score on the Kings, but we'll see how that all goes. And as far as Capella is concerned, there's no update that I'm aware of at this point. So we'll see if he's available to play. He is on the trip. That's very helpful. But uh, long story short, a long night here. I'm sure I'm rambling incoherently at this stage, but I appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. I know a lot of folks can't stay up realistically to watch an entire Hawks game that starts at 10 o'clock PM Eastern time on uh, Monday into Tuesday. So hopefully this podcast gave you some context into that. Uh, That's part of why I do the podcast the way that I do it. I know for people that watch the entire game, they don't always want all the play by play stuff, but um, there are lots of people that can't watch every game, especially on the West coast trip. So I'm going to lead on that um, throughout this West coast trip, but obviously we're going to be here for every game after the game itself. And I appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. Please subscribe to the show across platforms, YouTube, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, odyssey app google play all those places also follow us on twitter at lots on hawks follow me on twitter at bt roland enjoy your tuesday and we'll see you all later in the week